Hello and welcome to Tools of Ignorance, brought to you by, well, I guess we don't have a sponsor yet, but that's all right. Maybe someday in the future. We got a great show for you today. Uh, a lot of sports news happening in early March. A lot of leagues are coming together. Some just starting, some winding down, and some are in the heart of the season. Um, we'll, we'll talk about all kinds of different basketball, football, baseball. Um, the main segment will be, we'll talk about our pitchers fantasy draft and then we'll talk a little bit about the nl central um so let's kick it off with a little bit of uh banter about what's going on in the sports world dak prescott got paid finally it's about time after being franchise tagged for a year um he finally signed to a four-year 160 million dollar deal dylan why don't you lead us off what are your thoughts on this contract uh it's been it's been long overdue uh, what is it? 126 million is actually guaranteed. Um, it's kind of the first time that Jerry Jones has actually put his money where his mouth is. I mean, he, he franchise tagged him last year. He got hurt. Jerry all off season was saying, you know, we are going to get this guy paid. And I mean, he finally did it. He did. Tony, what are your thoughts? I just feel bad for the red rocket. It's <laughs> a tough girl. Uh, but no, I think I, it's probably the worst uh, worst kept secret that the Cowboys were going to end up paying Dak. I think especially, especially with the prices of quarterbacks going up and, you know, the only way you get a really good quarterback is if you're practically going to trade, you know, a decent amount of your franchise's future. I think, you know, Jerry made the best decision I think for his franchise and just paid Dak, especially, you know, trying to grow him within that Mike McCarthy offense. Uh, it seems like a no brainer. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, this is good for Dak. Awesome. And like you said, Tony, with the quarterback position the way it is, probably the most premium position in all the sports. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not winning in the NFL. So um, Jerry Jones, good decision on this one. Um, Cowboys, America's team, even though we love to hate them, it's, it's, the NFL is better when the Cowboys are good, I think. It gives everybody a heel to, to root against. All right, sure. let's hop over. Let's do a little more football here. Um, Bears cut Bobby Massey, um, maybe to make a little bit of cap space. Tony, what do you think? Is it going to work out? And what's going to be the result with the uh, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson deal? So I, if you're the Bears, and I, and I am in no way a big Bears fan, but I just, with the big contracts that they have, it just seems like you would be you you must be going all in because just to get a player like Deshaun Watson from Houston, they're gonna be asking for the moon and you know all the other planets in the solar system for a guy <laughs> like Deshaun Watson. So I mean, yes, you've locked up, you know, Khalil Mack for long term. You are starting to grow something, you know, with your offense, but still they I mean, last time I checked, they still need to sign like Allen Robinson, Cordell Patterson, a lot of their pieces on offense. So mm-hmm. Yes, while getting Deshaun Watson is great, you know, you really got to think of what you're going to be giving up. And I just, if you're the Bears, yes, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, hasn't panned out to what they really thought he was going to. But I just think Deshaun Watson, you know, yes, he's a big name, but I, you really got to wonder how much they're going to have to give up for that, even with the cutting of Bobby Massey. Yeah, it uh, it better work out for him if they do pull the trigger on it because. They are giving up. They're going to have to give up so much. You already think that the Texans, uh, I mean, I don't know if they're blowing smoke or not, but they say that they're not going to trade him. So mm-hmm. maybe they're doing that to, you know, make Ryan Pace get 
get even more anxious than he already does with trades and give an overhaul. And, I mean, Tony already said it. You, you have guys like Cordero Patterson and Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel is not even on the team anymore. Like they have other positions that they still have to address. Getting the quarterback is not going to be the end of their struggles. Yeah. And if you're the Texans, I mean, if a guy doesn't want to play for you, not only is this year going to suck, right? But if you fail to trade him and bring back a haul, you know, it's just a colossal failure on multiple levels. This year's going to suck because he's going to sit out or not. I mean, maybe he, he, finally suits up and plays and says, all right, whatever guys, I'm going to play. Um, but then you get one year of him with nobody around him. JJ Watt is gone, all that. So if you're the Texans, you've got to move him. I think this is the right move for the bears. Um, whether it's Wilson or whether it's Watson, I'm, I'm hoping Watson because I've got a $1 bet. I would win $21 <laughs> if he does go there um, and play week one. So yeah, we'll see. You know, the Packers fan in me isn't real excited about the Bears finally getting a real decent quarterback, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll go from there. All right, so um, let's go a little bit of NBA next. So the Nets acquired Blake Griffin, I think, officially today um, from Detroit. Well, I guess technically he was released. Um, (laughs) It bought out. (laughs) Yeah, bought out. Yep. Um, Dylan, what do you think about Blake Griffin? Is he going to be a difference maker for Brooklyn? Blake Griffin reminds me of like, you know, our, our, I don't know if you want to say childhood, you know, more of like high school, uh, age where, you know, you think about like a him and Derek Rose that used to just dominate the game and now you watch them and they play so flat and, you know, they're just not who they were when, when you remember their prime. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if he really makes that big of a difference uh, for Detroit. I mean, I know he tried to take at least like six to eight threes a game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't feel like Blake Griffin's a shooter. So <laughs> he, I mean, if he gets down in his old Blake Griffin and pulling down boards and taking oops, yeah, he's perfect fit for the Nets. But I don't think he's going to really fit that mold of the Nets, you know, all three-point shooting team. Tony, what do you think? So I think Blake Griffin is the epitome of where the NBA and just the game of basketball is right now. And that it's such a guard oriented league, because if you think about, you know, just a few years ago, like Blake Griffin was a big name. Like he was one of the better power forwards in the game. And ever since he got, you know, those last, you know, two, maybe last year and with the Los Angeles and then getting shipped to Detroit, he's become really an afterthought. And I think that just goes to show you how, you know, how guard oriented this is, you know, this NBA is uh, because you have names like Blake Griffin, who was so big when they came out, when he came out from Oklahoma and he had, you know, you know, the lot, they had lob city, mm-hmm. you know, it was between him and Deandre Jordan, which in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Deandre Jordan's with the Nets, So, you know, it's a you know, <laughs> reunion of sorts with those two, but I, I agree with Dylan. I think as far as him within this Brooklyn Nets uh, roster, it's still all about Kyrie. It's still all about James Harden. It's still about KD. And, you know, Blake Griffin might give you, you know, that name factor, I guess, mm-hmm. just being Blake Griffin. But as, as far as being on the court and what he can produce for you, I, he'll, you, he's maybe your fourth option. Maybe. Maybe, you know, you look somewhere else. But, like, for the most part, I think it's just a name. Yeah. So, so Zach, I'll let, you, I'll let you go. But, I mean, it kind of ties into, like, the NBA All-Star game. Um like Tony was just saying, look at what the games turned to. If, if you watched the first quarter, how many just chuck up threes did you see in that game? And like, you know, Blake Griffin doesn't fit that mold anymore. He fit the lob city time. He fit when 
Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine and all them were, you know, the dunking was the coolest thing ever. And mm-hmm. now it's a three point shooting game. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I think one of the, one of the true uh, measures of a good player, you know, not just a guy who's a flash in the pan, but a guy that can stick around in the league is that ability to adjust your game. And you guys are totally right. It's not the Blake Griffin that we saw, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. And he's not going to be jumping out of the gym, making ridiculous dunks. He's not going to be a feature of their offense, but I'm hopeful for him that he can have, that he can find the niche role of rebounder. You know, the, the nets need rebounding. Um, they don't, I don't think need a lot more three point shooting, right? They got Joe Harris. Uh, their big three can all shoot it really well. He's going to be a guy that can come in, put together some good minutes. The talent is there for him. The athleticism maybe has has waned a little bit. But, you know, all, when it's all said and done, this is a star-driven league. And he, like Tony said, he's got a little bit of star power left. A little shine on him still. And I think it's going to make for some really extra interesting storylines in the playoffs, regardless of, you know, how many dunks he throws down. He's still going to make a little bit of an impact. Yeah. So um, let's see what else we got on here. Victor Oladipo started the season. I don't even know where he started the season. Where did he start with? I believe it was the Pacers. I think he still was with the Pacers. Was he still with the Pacers? Yeah, I believe he was. Got moved to Houston. Then Houston decided they were going to ship everyone out of town. Um, Maybe he could end up going to Golden State. Um, Golden State, Steph has – tried his best to pull them along this season they are competitive almost every night um what do you think about the oladipo rumors to golden state tony let's start with you so i think that's just a sign of you know where clay thompson's at because i don't think you make this deal if clay thompson Mm -hmm. you know isn't in the situation where he's at so they must feel you know where clay thompson's at obviously you know still been out for you know a year plus pretty much uh you know, Oladipo kind of comes in, takes a little bit of the pressure off Steph, I guess. And, you know, the Warriors are going to try to make that make that push into the postseason, try to take down the Lakers, which is still going mm-hmm. to be a monumental task. Uh, but, you know, if they end up pulling the trigger for Oladipo, you know, you, I feel good for Oladipo. I wish he would have stayed in Indiana, especially since he was an Indiana product. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that marriage would have lasted for a lot a lot a lot longer than what it did, but, you know, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with, you know, Oladipo going with the Warriors. I think, you know, there's not much, not much not to like uh, in that situation. Right. I think Oladipo is a perfect fit for Golden State. He brings that, you know, uh, defensive edge, but he's also a positive player on offense as well. Um, and so, like you said, take a little bit of pressure off of Steph, um, I love what they're doing with James Wiseman. It pains me to say it, but I don't know. You know Draymond Green has been up and down <laughs> a little bit this year. <laughs> um, he's he's made some some negative plays. I know it's a long season, but uh, maybe bringing in another veteran to work with these young guys would be a good thing. Dylan, what do you think? Uh, I think he's an upgraded uh, Andrew Wiggins. If I mean all around, mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins is a really good defender. I feel like he'll be the guy that's going out, uh, possibly like an Andrew Wiggins, uh, Kelly Oubre, if that's mm. if that's a trade package. I think those two might be the names that get tossed out. But, I mean, I guess we just wait and see. 
All right. Very cool. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about sports wise before we get going on baseball? No. Uh, the congrats to the Loyola Chicago, even though as much as that pains me to say as a Bradley <laughs> alone, uh, congrats <laughs> to them making the big dance, uh, beating a pretty tough Drake team down in here in the Lou for uh, Arch Madness. Very cool. Yeah, they've they've had a nice little run here the last half a decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so good I, for them. I do like Porter Moser as a coach, especially that he you know is an assistant when Rick Majerus was here at SLU. Uh, but mm-hmm. big fan of big fan of Porter, Porter Moser. Awesome. Dylan, how about you? Anything else you want to talk uh, about? Nah, just the, if we're going to bounce them back to the NBA and the Andre Drummond, there's either a trade or a buyout coming and it's listed that the oh, Nets yeah, yeah. or the Lakers are the favorite landing spot. Ooh. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Everybody's reloading for the playoff run. <laughs> It'll be a good NBA playoffs um season yeah all right so let's transition over to some baseball now um our last week's segment ran a little long so we didn't get to do the pitchers half of this um so we're going to shorten this up a little bit we're going to do three starting pitchers a piece um and then two relievers so take your best three starters your best two relievers um and then we'll talk about the nl central a little bit i figure let's keep the same um same order. So Dylan will start. Tony will follow him up and I'll go third. Um, pull out all the stops right away. Don't leave anybody for anybody else. We'll, we'll find some, uh, some good talent, I think, with nine starters coming off the board and six relievers. So Dylan, lead us off with your first pick. I'm going to have to go with the easy choice, in my opinion, is Jacob DeGraham. Um, I don't really like to look at last year's stats for really anybody because it was mm-hmm. just such a weird year. But, you know, 2018-19, he was NL Cy Young winner, a uh, one-time ERA MLB leader in 2018, and a two-time NL strikeout leader in 19 and 20. Um, I'm a huge fan of his game. And you have guys like on his team, Marcus Stroman, who's talking about being in the same bullpen as him, watching mm-hmm. him throw, and then backing him up as the best pitcher in the game. So I'm going to go with DeGrom. Awesome. Excellent pick. Tony, who you got? I'm going Bieber fever. Uh, <laughs> give me uh, Shane Bieber from uh, the Cleveland Indians. I, I think ever since, uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco, uh, oh my goodness. And even like, even going back to like Corey Kluber, you know, since those guys left Shane Bieber is, you know, stepped into that ACE role. Uh, for the Cleveland Indians and kind of, I, you know, now with Lindor leaving and, you know, I guess they still have Jose Ramirez, but, you know, Shane Bieber's kind of turned into that face of the franchise for Cleveland. So uh, I'm going to go with, Cle- I'm going to go with uh, Shane Bieber. All right. Shane, not Justin. I think that's his Twitter name. <laughs> it is. It is his nickname. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Walker Bueller out in LA for the Dodgers. Um, what an excellent draft pick. He was a first round pick, but he fell all the way to 24. Um, and to snag him there, the, the uh, Dodgers got some great value. He's 26 years old. He's going to turn 27 in the middle of the year this year. Um, but he's going to be, I would say, the ace of this Dodgers staff, um, even though they got some good pitchers out there. But um, in 2019, he was a five-win pitcher. Um, you know, it's hard in a shortened season, like you said, Dylan, only eight mm-hmm. starts. Um, but he was solid, really good in the World Series. Um, so I think he's going to have an excellent year. Um, 
third full season in the bigs, if you don't count last year. So, I mean, really his fourth season as a big leaguer. So I got Walker Bueller. All right. So for my second pick, uh, I mean, I'm just going to try to make it fun. I researched some guys, but uh, Luis mm-hmm. Castillo, uh, out of Cincy, what, so Sonny Gray's the, the ace there. I think Castillo ends up having a good year. Uh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati's not going to be good, but he might be someone to watch. He has some nasty movement on his pitches and strikes out a lot of guys. So I'm going to pick him as my second guy. Awesome. All right, Tony, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito of uh, the Chicago White Sox. I think uh, at the end of the year, I think just based off what he did last year, I think in the division that he's in, I think he is just primed for another phenomenal year. And I just think, you know, he, he's going to be one of those pitchers to dominate the AL Central. So I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. Very cool. Another one of those White Sox who's really going to make it an interesting season on the south side. All right, my second pick, I'm going to go with uh, Garrett Cole in New York with the Yankees. He's projected to win 16 games, um, have over five and a half wins um, out of the bulk or in the rotation in New York. Uh, he's just been consistent and he hasn't hasn't dropped off much um, since he signed his free agent contract. So 30 years old, I think he's still got two or three, maybe even more really good years in him. He's one of those guys that can adjust uh, year to year. He's not, he's proven that he's not just going to be one and done, right? He's, he adjusts to the league as they adjust to him. So I think he's going to be a really successful guy. Um, he's got a big old contract, nine years, 324 million. So he's just, he's locked up through 2029. Um, so see what we are all doing in a decade, but he knows that he's going to be paid $36 million a year. So I got Garrett Cole. All right. And then my last starting pitcher, I'm going to go with Aaron Nola. The Philly pitcher strikes out a lot of guys, utilizes his changeup and curveball primarily. Uh, only average mile per hour fastball is 92, but he has a lot of control and movement. Uh, they they're saying that this could be a potential breakout year for him as he got a new pitching coach that is more new school. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. Tony, I, I think I'm going to guess who you're going to get here, but we'll see. All right. Uh, maybe. I So I think going off of you know Dylan's mindset, trying to have a little fun with this, I'm going to go down a little bit in the rankings. And I this guy excites me uh, just about as any – starting pitcher in the major leagues. And I'm going to go with Tyler Glass now of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I read an article that now he has some sort of, he has a new pitch where it's like a mixture of like a curveball and like a cutter, like a really hard slider of some sort, or it's, it's a completely different pitch that he didn't have last year. So he is just one of the most, anytime when he came on the playoffs last year with the Rays, he was must watch TV. And I know that the Rays are very much new school in about every way imaginable in baseball. So I don't know if he'll get the innings uh, that many starting pitchers will get, especially coming into, you know, 162 season as opposed to 60 as that they had last year. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Glass now has some of the best stuff in the game. I would put his, I would put his pitching stuff up against almost practically anybody in the major. So I'm going to go Tyler Glass now. Awesome. Interesting. I thought you might go Flaherty there, but yeah, I figured that's all right. <laughs> uh, Glass now is actually a fifth round pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And so 
the Pittsburgh Pirates seem like they're Tampa Bay North. Um, a lot of their <laughs> players end up end up down in Tampa Bay. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch him pitch. Last year, he threw basically just two pitches: fastball, curveball, mm-hmm. like 96 percent of the time. Didn't throw his changeup very often. So maybe that new pitch will help him um, break out a little bit, like you said. Mm-hmm. So um, my third pitcher I'm going to go with is actually Jose Barrios. He is um, in the Minnesota Twins or on the Minnesota Twins. Um, I'm really excited to see the Twins and White Sox battle it out all season long. Uh, The Twins have a number of strong offensive players, um, but also some pitchers that could make some noise. Um, We'll see. He's uh, 26 years old. He'll he'll turn 27 this year. He's got three more years left on his deal become before he becomes a free agent. So, you know, he's one of those electric young players, you know, 12 starts last year, but he's been consistent um, in all five years in Minnesota. So excited to see what he can do. I hope I hope I can make my way up to target field for a game sometime this year. I saw him pitch two years ago um, in 2019 up there in Minnesota. And that was a whole lot of fun. So, all righty. So that wraps up starting pitchers. Let's jump over to the bullpen now. Um, what do you guys think about switching it up and going the opposite direction for the bullpen? That's fine. Hey, do, do what we need to do. The first pick. Perfect. Well, I'm going to snag Liam Hendricks from the Chicago White Sox with the first pick. Um, Hendricks is an Australian right-handed pitcher um, coming over from, I think, was he on the athletics? He was. Yeah. 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 The Oakland athletics. So, um, another one of those guys going to make Chicago one of the most interesting teams in the American league. Um, so I'm excited to watch him pitch. So Tony, you're still at number two. <laughs> <who you got. laughs> so before I jump into my pick, I going back to the Liam Hendricks pick, I saw something really funny on Twitter. Uh, where the White Sox put a picture of him wearing, you know, had a bat in his hands and had a batting helmet on. I was just mm-hmm. like, you know what? I could see Liam Hendricks getting a lot of plate appearances this year. <laughs> uh, but I, since you didn't take the guy, I'm going to take Josh Hader, uh, arguably the best reliever in the whole major leagues. Uh, that just Filthy, filthy slider fastball combo coming from the left side. Pretty much what looks like a modern day Randy Johnson. So I'm going to take Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers. Hopefully, they don't find any old tweets anymore of him. <laughs> yeah, that's a really yeah. good pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's a really good pick. Uh, with my pick, I'm going to go with Edwin Diaz. Uh, the Mets will be in a lot of close games. Uh, last year, again, I don't like the 2020 stats. He did improve from 2019. He had uh, 50 strikeouts and 25.2 innings. And then with DeGrom, Stroman, and Syndergaard, I like the opportunities that Diaz will get for the Mets. All right. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my other pick is actually going to be also from the Minnesota Twins, uh, Taylor Rogers, left-handed pitcher, you know, not a big name necessarily for, you know, not a big star in the non-baseball world, right? He's um, one of the rare lefty closers, right? And then, Tony, you just took Hater, But, um, you know, I am excited to see what he can do. 
you know, they've got a solid pitching staff and I think he's going to be one of the difference makers out of the bullpen. All right, Tony, who you got next? So because you took, I, I was going to take Liam Hendricks. If you, if you had you taken Josh and I really don't want to take two brewers. Uh, I'm going to go shot in the dark. I think, you know, he's been out for, I'm going to go, here's my Homer pick. I am going to go Jordan Hicks, uh, a guy who can, I mean, who has been clocked at throwing 105 miles per hour. Uh, and he's coming off Tommy John where he's been, he's not only set out one year, he's practically set out two years sitting out all of COVID uh, of the COVID mm-hmm. short season because he, he does have diabetes. So he was at an at risk player. So he's coming off two full seasons of uh, resting up. So, with that big of an arm, I, and I know the Cardinals are going to take him very, very slowly, very cautiously, but I think when he gets in he's going to be absolutely filthy. So I'm going to go with the Homer pick with Jordan Hicks. All right. There you go. He's got all the potential in the world. Like he can be filthy if he can, if he can figure it out, if it clicks for him, Mm -hmm. Um, he's going to be a dangerous arm. Hopefully he stays healthy. I hope so. (laughs) All right. All right. You got I'm gonna go with the uh, with the old burner or oldest Chapman. Um, I really didn't know who to go with my second one. Like I had Liam Hendricks on my list as well, um, but I mean they just said that he's getting up in age, but he still struck out nearly half the batters he faced in 2020. So, you know he's on a he's on a stacked Yankees team. So we'll see what he can do this season. There you go. I can't even fathom hitting hitting 100 miles an hour. But then they also have like a 92 mile an hour slider that breaks 10 <laughs> inches. It's unreal how these guys do it, but it sure is fun to watch. Zach, it would be like a, uh, like a, what they say on MLB the show, it looks like he's swinging a garden hose up there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. All right. One more guy I want to shout out. We can do, if you guys have any uh, honorable mentions as well. One guy I'm looking out for this year. Um, is Brendan McKay. Um, if you don't know who Brendan McKay is, um, he was drafted out of Louisville two or three years ago, maybe even four now, um, but he's a two-way player, right? So Brendan McKay plays first base. He's also a pitcher in the Rays organization. Um, I love two-way players. They're just fun. And so hopefully he gets a, you know, a few days pitching, a few days hitting, Hopefully he has success that way. Anybody you guys want to bring up? You can go ahead, Don. Um, so honestly, I don't really have anybody. I was when I was looking for a second guy, I tried to look over towards the Atlanta Braves because I think they'll be in a lot of games as well. They mm-hmm. say they say it's gonna be Will Smith, and I can be completely honest and say I just like backed out of that page because I didn't even know who Will Smith is. <laughs> so so yeah, I guess uh, you know we'll just make him my honorable mention, and hopefully I learn a little bit about him this season. <laughs> the Will Smith, yep. Yep. White Will Smith. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. I was cool. gonna. I was yeah, looking cool. at Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers. So it, had I gotten Liam Hendricks, I would have gone Devin Williams, St. Louis product. Uh, I believe he won Reliever of the Year last year. Uh, up and coming uh, reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's just got a filthy changeup which is, you know, maybe not the pitch that you'd expect coming out of, you know, a bullpen in 2021, but Devin Williams has just a ridiculously good changeup, I think, especially if you, you know, set him up to hater. The Milwaukee, if Milwaukee has a lead going into the eighth inning, 
they're going to feel pretty good about their chances of winning the game with those two in the back end. Yeah. Well, that's an excellent segue into the NL Central. Let's uh, so let's go from the bottom up. So um, Tony forewarned us that he's not a real big fan of these Pakoda projections, um, <laughs> but we're just using it as a guide. This is not the uh, the Bible. We're not, you know, this is not official results. This is why we play the games, right? So um, starting at five, working our way up to one. Um, I'll just read through the names of the teams first, and then we'll start with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, projected to win 60 games this season, finished dead last. Um, a full 19 games behind the Cincinnati Reds, who are supposed to win 79 um, in fourth place. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals projected to win 80.1 games. Um, Chicago Cubs, 85.7 in second place. And then Milwaukee, 88.6 wins uh in first place so let's start on down there with pittsburgh pirates um tony you want to lead us off got any thoughts on the pirates i you know they're they're there they're gonna be there (laughs) they're gonna show up uh i i think they have a lot of interesting talent i i know he's kind of fallen off as far as you know when he initially came up I, i still am a big fan of cole tucker i know they've moved him all over the all over the field. I think right now, for the last time I saw that they had him in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what Cabrian Hayes does at third base. I think he is one of those up and coming talents. Hopefully he's one of those young pieces that they can keep and kind of build around. Yeah. Uh, Brian Reynolds also, um, you know, coming mm-hmm. off, I believe it was in 19, he, you know, hit for a really high average, really productive offensive player. Just from the, but they're unfortunately, you know, they've traded away Jamison Tyon to the, to the Yankees. They, Chris Archer ended up going back to the Rays, so they got mm-hmm. absolutely nothing out of that deal from <laughs> from Tampa Bay. They only lost, you know, a really good outfielder in Austin Meadows and a, you know, my pitcher in, you know, Tyler Glass now. So, I, the future's, uh, it's there. Something, <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh's got a baseball team. I don't know how many fans are going to be able to pull to pay to come out to see that team. But, you know, I, I think they have a few good pieces coming up. All right. Dylan, what do you think? Yeah, I think they have more of like, I mean, Tony already said it, like the buildup is coming, but truly when I look down, the only like names that are familiar um, other than who Tony already said is like Gregory Polanco. And I mean, the last time I feel like the pirates were really fun to watch was when they had like McCutcheon, Marte, Polanco and then you know Josh Bell but all those names besides Polanco are gone so I don't really I don't really have much more to say about Pittsburgh other than like I know I won't be tuning in to watch them (laughs) so so not to cut you off Zach I apologize but I I, it's crazy to think about that Dylan because I mean even if you you know it's kind of like the Miami Marlins outfield remember you had Ozuna Yelich and Stanton yeah look at the Pirates and it was like Mm -hmm. Marte McCutcheon Polanco you know, you thought that outfield would be be there for a while, and pretty much a similar thing happened to them as it happened in Miami. Yeah, yeah disintegrated. When I look at the Pirates, um, I have the hard time, hardest time telling the difference between Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds, uh, <laughs> Kevin Newman. Like, I see, like, I don't know, what are they, six foot white guy that has the same skill set all around the diamond, a bunch of <laughs> utility players, it feels like. So, um, you know, not a ton of star power for this team. One guy I, I am excited to watch um, is Mitch Keller. Um, 
he's how many how old is he he's like 23 i think years old yeah, uh this will be his first full season in the bigs um you know not a ton of talent on the pitching side for them but he's one guy that could really have a bright future for them and then i uh i follow Stephen brault on instagram uh, he's got some interesting tattoos on his arms so dylan you might be a fan of him uh, we'll <laughs> look those up after the show um but yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to make a whole lot of noise, but we got to have five teams in the division. So somebody has, um, what is it, 18 games to play against them or 25 games? I don't know, whatever it is. So, yeah. all right, cool. Well, let's move up a level and head to the uh, Cincinnati Reds who lost Trevor Bauer to free agency. Um Definitely some interesting names. They are going to be in the mix. Maybe maybe not to win the champion or not to win the NL Central, uh, but they'll definitely make it interesting and they're not going to be an easy win for the top three teams that are battling for the division. Dylan, let's start with you. What do you think about the Reds? I think they're an odd-built team. Um, I look at like Castellanos, Suarez, Joey Votto. I mean, those are like – the stick out names. And then I, like I said before, like Luis Castillo was one of the pitchers that I chose and Sonny Gray. I think outside of those two starters, I really wouldn't feel confident in the Reds pitching staff. So yeah, like, I mean, I don't know how to elaborate any more than I just feel like looking through that roster. It's just a very like oddly built team. Mm-hmm. Tony, what do you think? Yeah. So I think, <laughs> It's crazy because, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone was talking about the Reds were going to be the team because they had mm-hmm. just signed Castellanos. They signed Moustakis. They got Sonny Gray. They were looking up and up, and they just – that offense just did not come through. Uh, and it's crazy to think, especially, you know, when they're maneuvering their their fielders to where, you know, putting Moose back at, at second base where, you know, he's not as comfortable as being at third. Mm-hmm. You know, even coming into this year, I know the big thing for them was just to get a, a – a shortstop because Jose Iglesias went to the angels. So they don't even have a, a legitimate shortstop right now. Uh, you know, they've had Nick Senzel, who's been, you know, that guy that they've constantly looked to, to be that up and coming star. And he hasn't really taken that next step that they wanted to, as far as, you know, what Dylan talked about with their pitching, you know, you look at, you know, the loss of Trevor Bowers, and that means now you're going to put more and more emphasis on, you know, Luis Castillo on a sunny gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, to lead that I'm I'm really interested to see if they bring up Hunter Green uh, looking at some of yeah. his spring training uh, highlights you know he's going to be that guy that you know that that Mitch Keller of sorts uh, right. for for the Reds so I'm I'm hoping he gets to come up maybe make a little make make it exciting for the Reds uh, they still have Joey Votto the the OBP master mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> So, you know, I, I agree. I, you know, I don't really see the Reds as doing much, which is sad because, like I said, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone was talking about, you know, they won the offseason, but, you know, it never really came to fruition for them. Right. And I think one of the reasons for that is they have a lot of guys who are toolsy, right? They can do one, two, maybe three things pretty well, but they really lack a, a complete, you know, superstar or even a complete star player, you know. Joey Votto has been that good fielder. You know, he's going to get on base plenty, but that that massive home run power isn't quite there. Moustakis, like you mentioned, he's going to hit 30 home runs, but how many times is he going to strike out? And his glove is going to be kind of questionable. Um, Jesse Winker, 
uh, going to be another good player who he he's pretty much a DH most of the time. He can play some outfield as well. Um, but nobody really that you fear in this lineup, right? And so Aristides, Aristides Aquino, another DH type guy who could hit 35 home runs in a season if he got full playing time, but he's a DH playing in the national league. And so he's really hurt by um, losing that DH role this season. Yeah. I guess um, I kind of, I guess I kind of found the words I was looking for. And it's like a team that lacks an identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They've got, you know, their rotation, Tyler Malley, Wade Miley, TJ Antoine or Antone. Um, just, some guys that, you know, maybe somebody pops off this year and, and does really well, but you know, nobody besides those top two that we were talking about that are really going to lock it down. Maybe Sean Doolittle, Amir Garrett in the bullpen. We didn't mention Sean Doolittle. Um, but if you're not in the position to win games, it's kind of hard to have an effective closer. So uh, we'll see. We'll see with them. All right. So let's uh, let's jump up to the st louis cardinals tony's pride and joy um projected by pakoda to have 80 wins uh 8.2 chance to win the division uh let's dylan and i'll go first and then tony you can wrap it up with with fill in all, all the right. blanks for us if okay. that's all right all right so dylan go ahead so all right so i honestly uh, no hate i honestly think this number is wrong uh, I think St. Louis is going to be way better. Um, they're so good defensively looking at their at their actual roster. I mean, Yachty, Arenado, Carpenter, Goldschmidt, Bader. I don't – I can't tell you who their starting five would be other than, uh, was it Flaherty, uh, Martinez, Wayno? I mean, who's the other two that would be starting, Tony? Uh, so they have a Asian uh, – a Korean pitcher goes by the name of KK. Okay. Uh, he did pretty well for his first year coming – across the Pacific ocean, uh, during the shortened season, uh, his first two spring training starts have been a little shaky, uh, velocity's down, but he said that, you know, he, he's able to figure that out. So he'll take that other spot. And then that fifth spot, I uh, if Michaelis isn't healthy, Martinez would fill that role. And then it's kind of, it's going to be uh, pretty much a starting pitcher by committee. I know Ponce de Leon, uh, it would be, uh, one of those pitchers, uh, they've talked about Johnny Gant. Uh, Alex Reyes, I think, is more of a bullpen piece at this point. So that fifth spot right now is a little bit up in the air, depending on if Michaelis is is going to be healthy or not. Who And he was supposed to throw a bullpen this weekend. That got pushed back uh, to later this week. So even the Cardinals aren't really sure what's going to happen with Mike Liss. I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of went a little bit. No, yeah, it does. That was perfect. Cause like in my notes, I was like, you know, with the names that I could come up with who their starting pitchers would be, I mean, it's pretty solid, but it seems like that is going to be the weakness of this team. If there is one, cause I think they will be really good defensively. And I think that they're going to generate a lot of runs. So, I, I mean, I think other than the starting pitching question, I think the Cardinals are actually going to be a really good team. Awesome. Um, I, I kind of agree with you, Dylan. I don't think it's really like the projections say it's a two team race between the Cubs and the Brewers. And that's totally, I agree wrong. It's, it's going to be a three-way race um, between these three teams. Um, you know, 
I think Arenado is going to be a huge difference maker for them. Like you mentioned, their defense is good. When your pitching is solid and your defense is good, you're going to be in every game, right? You don't have to score seven runs to, to beat a team, right? So um, it's it, you're going to have to scrape together runs against this team. And, you know, a lot of veterans, they're not going to, like, just go down easy. Um, and they got some interesting players as well. I, I'm a big fan of, of Harrison Bader. Um, excellent range in the outfield. And he can hit a little bit too. Um, you know, he can maybe stand to steal a few more bases with his speed. I don't know if, if he just doesn't like to take the risks. Um, and then, of course, Goldschmidt, we didn't even touch on, but those guys are going to be big pieces of their offense. And then Flaherty, you know, he's a really solid pitcher. Um, maybe not like top five in the league, but, you know, kind of getting close and you could see him maybe uh, if he extended his talent just a little bit, you know, having a really outstanding season. So Tony, what do we miss? What are you thinking? So, so I, I agree. I think their number is going to, their total number of wins is going to be much higher than what Pakota said. Uh, right now, according to Vegas, they're at 86 and a half, uh, which I think is more on par. I think they're an 88, 89 win team might be pushing 90. Um, I, so bear with me. Uh, I'll try to keep this as brief as, as I possibly can. But one of the things that I really wish they would have done was that they, I wish they would have brought back Colton Wong, especially mm-hmm. with Arenado. Cause then I, or Arenado, I think you would have had just an absolutely ridiculously infield defense with Arenado at third. Paul DeYoung has been a finalist for a goal glove. Colton Wong has been the best defensive second baseman in the league for the past two years. Paul Goldschmidt has won defensive you know, who's won gold gloves. Yachty, I mean, enough said when it comes to defense. And then yeah. even up in the Harrison Bader up the middle uh, in center field, one of the better defensive center fielders in the league. How is uh, Edmund's reputation at defense? So Edmund is – he's going to be good. I think he could push for being a finalist for being a gold glover. Um, that being said, you know, he's going to be thrown into a situation that he's not been in. Uh, being a regular starter for the entire for an entire 162 because um, even in 2019 he was only a rookie and they would like put him around he was kind of like your Ben Zobris type mm-hmm. uh, so now he's going to be asked to play second base all the time uh, I was a huge Matt Carpenter fan just he's 0 for 11 right now in spring training with like 5ks uh, it's just I think he really he's really gone downhill and I feel bad for him because I, I was a, I still am a fan of Matt Carpenter. He's just not the same guy he was back, you know, four years ago. And then I, for me, the biggest question is the outfield. Uh, yes. I, I know every, from outside's perspective, you know, Harrison Bayer's, you know, really flashy. He's got, he's got the speed. He's got the defense. He just cannot hit righties <laughs> to save his life. And it sucks because that's about 70% of pitchers in the major leagues. So <laughs> if he can learn to hit right-handed pitching, even average, like on decently well, He'll be a good player. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, they've been talking about him in left field. He just won a gold glove, uh, but he strikes out a lot. He's got, you know, he's one of the biggest guys in the entire league, just size-wise. Uh, his dad was a former bodybuilder in, in Canada. Uh, and then the young guy, Dylan Carlson and Wright, uh, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Um, I think the Cardinals haven't had a prospect like him since Oscar Tavares, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately passed away back in 2014. So he's going to be asked to do a lot. Uh, switch hitter uh, did a lot the second time he came up during COVID, uh, the COVID season. So 
Uh, pitching wise, uh, I agree. It's going to be a question. I really wish they would sign Jake Odorizzi, another hometown kid. Um, fortunately, they didn't. He signed with the Astros. But uh, pitching, the starting pitching, I, I am a little concerned about. Bullpen, I feel better about. They have a lot of good arms in the bullpen. They could have a really good bullpen, uh, even to the point that they're going to have to send guys down to Memphis. Um, but besides that, uh, lineup wise, you know, you have those mainstays in Goldschmidt and Arenado. And from there, it's kind of, we're hoping, we're hoping. Uh, Tony, I, I got a got a quick question for you. Yeah. Will will they struggle to get people on base? Because it sounds like, you know, your Matt Carpenter is normally a guy who, who gets on base, or he used to at least. Yeah. You know, you talk about, uh, what are they, they call him T.O., right? Is it Tyler O'Neill? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, isn't he, you said he's a big swing, you know, a lot of strikeouts. You said yep. Bader struggles with righties. Dylan Carlson is up and coming. We don't, I mean, I don't want to judge him too quick. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is, will they struggle getting people on base? I think that's a very legitimate question. I think they're hoping that, you know, with Colton Wong gone there, you know, a lot of projections and, you know, a lot of the radio stations around here have Tommy Edmond taking that leadoff spot, uh, which, you know, another switch hitter. Um, he had a really good 2019, uh, 2020, not so much offensively. So I think once again, you're throwing guys in situations that they haven't been in. You're kind of hoping that they do well. Paul DeYoung has a, you know, he's had the reputation of having a really good, you know, April, May, June, and then really falling off July, August, September. So, you know, who's going to protect Arenado is my question. Um, Cause Yachty with all due respect, you know, he's 39 years old. He's he doesn't have the offensive uh, capabilities that he even had, you know, back in 13, 14. Um, so you're, you're kind of hoping for a lot for this, for this young outfield. Um which they've talked about giving chances over and over again. So I think especially getting, I don't want to say getting rid of Dexter Fowler. I was, I enjoyed Dexter Fowler. I'm sure you guys did, especially, you know, with 2016 mm-hmm. happening. I, I was a big fan of Dexter Fowler. I loved what he brought to the team. Uh, it was unfortunate of how it went down, uh, especially, you know, some of the years not being his best, but with him now no longer in the picture, they are going hardcore on, you know, let's see who, who we got in the outfield and we're going from there. I, I think Dylan Carlson's going to be there for a majority of the year. He's going to be a mainstay. It's going to be O'Neill and Bader. And then another guy is by the name of Lane Thomas. Uh, those three are going to be jousting for, you know, left field and center field. So uh, I, I think in the end, I think they'll be fine. I think they, in my opinion, once again, very biased, I guess, but I, I do believe that they are going to win this division, but it is going to be like you said, Zach, a three team race between them, the Brewers and the Cubs. Well, one reason to be optimistic about this team is you mentioned how Dylan Carlson is one of the top prospects they've seen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quality or quantity for them that's really going to help them succeed. You're not relying on, you know, past those top two, right? Goldschmidt, Arenado. Mm-hmm. It's, it could be four or five different guys that really step up. And you're not relying on all five of them to really have outstanding years, right? It could be O'Neill who pops off. It could be Vader who maybe figures it out a little bit. Could be DeYoung really has an outstanding year, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, are all five of those guys going to hit and perform to their averages or even above? You know, probably not. But Mm -hmm. if three of them do, and then you get a little production from here and there, you know, it's a team, you know, you never count out the Cardinals. You know? I feel like, I feel like that's how the Cardinals are always built up too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to make one final note before I guess, before we move on to the Cubs. Uh, so they, uh, the local sports radio station 
had a guy who worked or works with Pocota or does a lot with Pocota. Mm-hmm. And they talked to him about this ranking because obviously, you know, <laughs> in St. Louis, whenever you have the Cardinals projected to win only 80 games, especially coming off the Arenado deal that, you know, everyone's like, Oh, this is ridiculous. And <laughs> when they looked at it, when they looked at, when they broke down the numbers, the two guys that really brought that win toll down was Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung. They, mm-hmm. Pakoda and Fangraphs did not project them to do as They're well. way down on DeYoung. They are. They are. And that was one of the things. So, you know, and even the guy that they interviewed uh, talked about that as well. It's like, you know, these are very much just projections. We, you know, there's nothing, you know, there, there's enough here to be said that, you know, who's to say, you know, DeYoung can't have a way better year than what we projected or mm-hmm. what is projected as far as Pakoda. And Dylan Carlson's a complete wild card. Uh, you know, he's got all the talent in the world, you know, especially being one of those top prospects in major league baseball. But, you know, I think, you know, those are the two X factors determining if the Cardinals win this division or not offensively is going to be Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung. All right. Awesome. Well, I feel like I learned a lot about the Cardinals today. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Let's jump up to these Chicago Cubs. So projected 85.7 wins, um, that's about three games below the Brewers, 30% chance to win the division, which I think that is about right. I think Milwaukee, Chicago, St. Louis all have around that 30 to 35% chance to win. Um, maybe I'm counting out the Reds a little too much, but um, let's talk a little bit about the Cubs. Dylan, let's, let's start with you. Man. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really in, I've, I've always been indifferent on the Cubs. I feel like we have the same issues year in, year out, and that's going to be starting pitching, relief pitching, close pitching. I don't, man, it's, that's the downfall of this team. You never know what you're going to get. Um, I am excited to see Adbert Alzale pitch. Uh, I've been a fan of him for a while. He, he came up and had some flashes of good, but he hasn't really like emerged yet. I'm glad Arietta's back. Uh, defensively, I think this team will be good. They might make a few mistakes trying for a bigger play, but I think they're going to be good all around. And then I'm just nervous about this team generating runs by more than home runs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they have a lot of potential bats in their lineup, but I mean, what was it last year? I think we led the league or we're close to leading the leagues and, and, uh, leaving runners in scoring position. Sounds about right. And so, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you get a guy on third base and then they have three pop-ups in any, and it's that type of stuff that's just so frustrating as a Cubs fan to watch. Yeah, not a whole lot of small ball that goes on. Uh, Tony, let's jump over to you, and then I'll wrap it up. So I, I actually have more – first of all, so kind of going back to the what Vegas thinks, Vegas thinks the Cubs are only going to win uh, – they have them at 78.5, so kind of like the flip-flop of what the Cardinals had with Dakota. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I have more questions for you two, uh, because first, my first question is, do you think out of, because Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, out of those three, which of those three do you think stay after this year? Because aren't all of them going to be up after this year? Um, yes, I think so. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they'll all come together at once. Um, I think Rizzo will be a Cub for life. Um, I just, I see that happening. Um, why? I don't know. You know, he, he feels like a cub for life. That's not anything that's like, (laughs) like scientific or anything like that. Just Mm kind of does. Um, 
you know, the, the narrative for so long has been, Oh, Bryant's on the move. Bryant's on the move. Where's Bryant going to go? And so, you know, it's easy to picture him going to Toronto or New York or wherever, wherever he ends up. Um, Baez, it's kind of hard to tell. He almost kind of feels like that same guy, like a Ryan Sandberg, like he's going to be around the Cubs for most of his career. And uh, I hate to say it, like you said, he was um, one of the most overrated players. You know, and we kind Once of again, completely, completely biased, I, I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that he's a really outstanding player, super exciting to watch, beloved by the Cubs fan base. And that's just kind of what he is. Will he go somewhere else and, and play? Maybe. Um, I think the Cubs will try to make a push to keep him around, if nothing else, but to sell extra tickets. Dylan, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you on Rizzo. I feel like Rizzo's a cub for life. Um, I personally see Baez being gone before Bryant. Um, Just because if you like, I mean, if you really look at the numbers, Baez is hugely electric, really good defensively. But then, I mean, he's such a liability as a bat. And especially like looking at the roster with like a Jason Hayward, you saw them part with – Kyle Schwarber, you saw him part with El Mora, who was strictly defense defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know. I also could see the team parting with uh, Wilson Contreras, like a midseason trade, mm-hmm. depending on the emergence of Miguel Amaya. Yeah. So I mean, that'll that would change the equation a lot. But I mean, out of this scenario, if we're t- picking two out of three, I think Rizzo and Bryant stay. All right. Who, who's playing? Who's playing left field for the Cubs now? Jack Peterson. That's right. That's Probably. Right. So my, my one last question, I know you want to move on. My one last question is, do you think uh, David Ross stays around much longer as the coach? Or do you think now with Theo gone, if they don't do really well, do you think he, do, they, do you think that, and if they, let's say, you know, some more of those guys from that 2016 team end up leaving, do you think he, do you think they end up making a switch? Yeah, I think their championship leash is is about run out. <laughs> um, you know, they have to stop basking in the glow of their their championship. And you know, are we going to go back to the lovable losers for another hundred years? You know, it kind of feels like that a little bit. That's how they're treating it. Like, oh, we won you a championship now. Uh, buy beer and hang out and sing in the bleachers, and everything will be all good. So, you know, with Hoyer taking over kind of as the main guy. I think Theo saw the writing on the wall and was like, this ain't, this ain't it. This ain't the place that I'm going to be able to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And so he would rather work just for MLB in general, instead of being in charge of the Cubs. And so kind of disappointing to see Um, that's as a sports fan, you're kind of at the mercy of, of the tides of the game. And so I don't love the, the way it's shifting for the Cubs at the moment. Um, could that change? You know, I guess it could, but regardless of the results of this season, I don't think we've seen real investment in trying to, you know, build necessarily for the future. Um, investing in Bryant, investing in Rizzo would go a long way towards getting a little bit of faith back in, um, in the franchise for me. Yeah, I don't really have an answer to the question. I don't 
my my one comment to it is I don't know how much Hoyer and Ricketts were in on the decision of the hiring. I mean, I feel like that was kind of a guy that they may have chosen maybe even more than Theo chose. So maybe that was partial to Mm -hmm. Theo not wanting to be in that, you know, on that ship. And that's part of the reason why he bounced out. So I guess I didn't, yeah, I didn't really answer the question, but put up a possibility. There you go. All right. So my take on the Cubs, uh, polar opposites of the Cardinals, because the Cardinals, you know what you're going to get from them. They're going to be consistent, steady, and, you know, their their window of wins, I think, is probably around that, like you said, 88, 89, 90. And will it drift from there? I, I don't think it will. I think that's what you're going to get from them. The Cubs, I could see them winning – you know, 92 or 93, but then they could also drop down to like 78, like, (laughs) like Vegas was saying with Tony. Um, It, you know, if everything comes together and you got all these guys in their walk year and the pitchers, Jake Arrieta finds it in himself to regenerate his, his old form. Kyle Hendricks has another sub two ERA season, you know, will all that happen? Not likely. Right. Could it happen? I guess if you play this season a hundred times, does it happen in two of them? Probably something like that. Right. So not super likely. Um, going to have a lot of fun watching it just because it's going to be great to see baseball again, you know, 60 degrees today. I can't wait for baseball to happen. Um, but it's kind of feels like the same old Cubs. Um, yeah. I mean, as depressing as that is up and down baby not up optimistic. Down. <laughs> I, I just um, think i think it's crazy the the u darvis trade just absolutely shocked me and i mm-hmm. just that their pitching rotation i but even before you said Ari, arietta like i could only think of hendrix and alec mills i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't name you another starter that they had exactly well they got zach davies back from the padres in that trade and then trevor williams from the pirates um edward alzole might throw half a season who knows Braylon Marquez might be able to come up Cole Stewart from the twins but all those guys are lottery tickets basically I mean Alzole you're kind of expecting him to be successful in the future Braylon Marquez same thing Um, but a lot of the guys here um, now are just guys that they're hoping are are going to be successful maybe they can extract something out of them add a new pitch change up their their mechanics something um but it's not there's no guys in this rotation that are going to be an ace now or anytime in the future and their bullpen <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired as well Craig Kimbrell yeah Craig Kimbrell you know is yeah. not, we were talking about Blake Griffin earlier right Craig Kimbrell is not the superstar Craig Kimbrell that everybody thinks of um from back in the Atlanta Braves days but Still a solid pitcher. You know, you got Dan Winkler, Rowan Wick, Ryan Tapera, some of those guys you might not know if you're not a, a Cubs fan. And so not a lot of big names um, or star power on the pitching staff. All right. Well, I guess let's wrap it up with the Milwaukee Brewers. Projected 88.6 wins, 53% chance of winning the division, according to Pakoda. Um, I guess I'll lead it off and then you guys can wrap this one up. So 
we already talked about their bullpen a little bit, right? Josh Hader, Devin Williams. That's going to be a definite strength for this team. Um, they have some interesting guys in the rotation with Brandon Woodruff, not a superstar name, but definitely has produced in the years past. And I think he'll, he'll do solid this year. They got Corbin Burns, um, Brent Suter. They're actually going to maybe try in the rotation. I don't know. Did he start last year? Do you guys have an idea? It sounds, it sounds familiar. I, he may have gotten a spot start here and there. I don't know if they Yeah, because he's been him. a bullpen guy um, for most of his career, but it looks like maybe they're going to try to get some starts out of him. Dakota actually projects him to get uh, just over two wins in 90 innings pitch. So, you know, he's he's going to be that swing guy. Like you said, maybe he'll start 10 games this season and, and pitch the rest out of the bullpen. So, um, batters. You know, the the uh, guy I think of when I think of Milwaukee Brewers is obviously going to be like Christian Yelich. Um, but they uh, got Colton Wong from the Cardinals. And then a lot of guys that, you know, their offense will be okay, but it's very star-driven, I think, with Yelich and with uh, Colton Wong going to be their top two bats. They got Daniel Vogelbach, former Cubs farmhand, um, Jackie Bradley Jr., Lorenzo Cain, Avasel Garcia in the outfield. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, who's going to emerge as their starting catcher. They've got Omar Narvaez, Manny Pena, Jacob Nottingham. So which one of those guys is going to take the reins, take control of the pitching staff? Um, Tony, what do you got on them? Yeah, so I think – you know, before or going into the offseason, you knew that they had the pitching, especially in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have ben, Brandon Woodruff kind of be the anchor of that of that starting rotation. And then you have, you know, fillers that, you know, go from there. Uh, the one thing that I really questioned was their defense. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think now even looking up the middle now, especially with Jackie Bradley Jr. signing on with him and Colton Wong and then even Orlando Arcia at, at, at short, you know, that up the middle defense is pretty solid. Uh, and then even what you know, now that you probably move Lorenzo Cain either to right or left, and then you have Christian Yelich and you know the other outfield position that outfield looking a little bit better. Uh, Lorenzo Cain obviously you know a year older, so you wonder if that's going to affect anything as far as the you know the tread on the tires. Um, I think even they, they brought back Travis Shaw to play third base. I don't, I, I don't know of another third baseman that they have out there. Um, I think they're so, planning on Luis Urias. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, and then, you know, moving Keston Hero, who from all accounts that I've heard is not the one of, you know, not a really good uh, defensive player, moving him to first. So Vogelbach now goes to your bench, a decent bench bat, because uh, Keston Hero is right now, you know, taking into account Christian Yelich's previous year is their best hitter. Um, Maybe, you know, throughout the year, Christian Yelich comes back to that MVP form and he takes over. But Keston here is going to be an anchor in that offense. And I, that offense is, uh, is a wild card to me. I don't, you know, I couldn't really tell you. You don't know what Yelich is going to do. And besides him and Hira, there's no real definite as far as offense is concerned. So defense got a, little, defense got a lot better. Bullpen's good. Starting pitching's better than the – Cubs, I, I think I'd still put the Cardinals above above them mm-hmm. uh, as far as starting pitching goes. I think they have the best bullpen out of the three, and then offensively is complete wild card. I think they 
if I were to compare them, I would say they probably have the third best offense uh, behind mm-hmm. the Cardinals and the Cubs. Cardinals and Cubs, you could probably switch back and forth. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it all comes back to what, you know, you and Dylan and I have talked about, you know, just being that three-team race. You know, it, mm-hmm. it seems like one injury to a player could swing everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the Brewers, you know, set, have set themselves up for, you know, for contention to win this division. Yeah, their their roster, I mean, I'm not going to – Tony basically said what I was going to say, so I won't reiterate it. But, (laughs) you know, Jackie Bradley and uh, Colton Wong signings were huge for them. I think the reason they're number one and have the highest percentage to win, and which I would lean towards them too, is they just seem like they might be the most consistent team throughout the whole season. Like we've talked about, you know, the downfalls of the Cubs and the Cardinals – the Brewers really don't have like a huge downfall. I just think that they'll remain more consistent than the other two teams, which is why they edge those guys out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be an excellent summer of baseball. That is for sure. All right. Well, I guess that'll wrap up your, our NL central preview. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Dylan, you got a couple of bets for us to uh, put down a few dollars? I do. Do you also have some bets, Zach? I didn't come up with anything. I've been okay. so busy. It's the last last week of uh, high school basketball here in Illinois, or at least in Rockford. So um, got a big game coming up tomorrow night, and uh, we'll we'll get back to maybe betting a little bit over spring break. <laughs> All right. So, so I, got, I got some games here. I actually <laughs> was on my wrong, like, mindset i have games for wednesday so everybody check this out there for wednesday not tuesday all right um all right so i have nebraska at penn state i think penn state will win this game uh they're close in so many games actually in like every game they play they're really close nebraska's bad this is a neutral site (laughs) game because it's big 10 uh big 10 tournament and they play penn state plays a really good zone defense i'll take them at a guest minus 5.5 spread so i'll take them you know six points um, my next one would be it's a 1 p.m. game on Wednesday again. It's uh, Wyoming over San Jose State. San Jose has five wins, one and nine on the road, so they're not really a good team at all. Uh, Wyoming isn't like that much better, but they can get hot from three. I'll I'll take them winning uh, minus six and a half spread. And then the last one would be uh, the game NC State versus Syracuse, and I'll take Syracuse. They're a very underrated t- team. Um, I think it's going to be a low spread, which is why I like the game. I'll take uh, Syracuse minus two and a half. Both teams are hot right now, but I like Syracuse. And then lastly, Zach, our mortgage bet. Uh, I don't know. I didn't look at the recap for the last one. Um, I don't know if we we hit or not. But this one, uh, we'll get that for the next podcast. But this one would be uh, Montana versus Idaho. Idaho has one win this year. They are one in 20. Montana is 12 and 12. So I'll bet every day against Idaho and feel confident. <laughs> so that, that's our mortgage. Awesome. So who you guys got as we, as we part ways here, who's, who's winning the big 10 tournament. Tony, I'll let you head first. So, I mean, I, I would say I would lean Illinois. Um, mm. But um I don't know. Michigan's dropped, you know, dropped a couple games. So, you know, they're not heading in with, you know, on, you know, the best of momentum, Ohio state with 
uh, Belleville West product, uh, EJ Liddell. Uh, they, they could be an under the radar pick as far as, you know, looking between Illinois, Michigan and them. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll stick with Illinois. Uh, I'm getting, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but you know, it's starting to feel like that Oh four Oh five kind of run mm-hmm. for Illinois. So especially with IO and Kofi, uh, Trent Frazier, Miller, I, Pedro, uh, I, I forget his last name. Uh, the lefty or the, the, the guard. I can't remember his name. Oh my gosh. Serious brain fart. Anyway, I, I think that this is a deep team and I think that they can make a deep run, not only in the big 10 tournament, but in the NCAA tournament. Awesome. I was going to go with Illinois too. Um, but I'll throw Iowa in there as a dark horse, you know, senior led teams have a tendency to, to go deep into tournament runs and be able to withstand a little bit of uh, adversity. So maybe Luca can, uh, lead the Hawkeyes to a big 10 championship. Dylan, uh, close it out for us. I love my Buckeyes, but I can't <laughs> go with them. I feel like they peaked a little bit too early. I think they'll do well in the tournament. Um, but I think, you know, I, I agree with Illinois. Illinois is peaking at the right time. They're playing really, really well. Michigan state will be a hard team too. Cause they've played really well as well lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at like, you know, Illinois one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, and then Iowa four. Like those are the in orders who I would pick to win. Andre right. Curbelo. Andre Curbelo. That's the okay. name. Completely wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. All good. All good. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on Tools of Ignorance. We'll see you next time and have a great night. Peace out.